Hey, homies. I'm Katie. I'm Sydney. And this is Something Sick. Sydney has yeah. an embarrassing story to tell. Oh my gosh, everyone. guys. All of everyone. <laughs> all, all the homies. Yeah. So, okay. The reason we say homies is because it became a thing that we say... I wanted to bring back homies in the middle of quarantine. And so, literally, the only person I call homie is is Katie. I don't call anyone else Because literally, it's not even like a regular thing. It's just... At night, we just say... At night. Good night, homie. I, like, pass by her room and I say, good night, homie. I think it's funny because I was the only one that was doing it at first. And now, I don't really do it. You do it every night. Yeah, (laughs) because I go to bed early. Yeah. But... The only person I've ever called homie is Katie and then in this podcast. Yeah. The other day, my manager is leaving to go like pick something up. Like he's like helping me out, doing me, doing me a favor. He's like, all right, I'll be right back. And I looked at him and I just said, thanks, homie. (laughs) And then I turned to my coworker and I said, I don't know why I just called him homie. (laughs) Like it's it's just so awkward. (laughs) That was all our news. Sydney just called her boss homie. So (laughs) (laughs) my news, breaking news. (laughs) I called my boss homie and it's embarrassing. Ready Um, to dive into this? Yeah, it's a big one. This is the it's longest long Sydney one. has ever written her notes. Yeah, this out. is the more this is the most research I've ever had on a case. So, so let's hold on to your butts. Yeah, let's go. What are we talking? We about? are morbid now. <laughs> Do they say that? Yeah. Oh, I've always just heard that. Yeah, I they just, say hold on. To your I butts. totally forgot. <laughs> it's been a minute. I haven't had time. It's been a minute since I've listened. No spoilers, everyone. No spoilers for these cases <laughs> these that, that I've heard you know. before. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so today we're going to be talking about Jonestown and let me say, (laughs) um, this is one of those cases that like, I know of it obviously, but it's not one that I like know a lot about yeah. like, or that I did know a lot about. We listened to darker side. I just remember the darker side of life. Me too. But like, I didn't remember a lot about it really. And there is so much about this case. Did you write it all down? No. I mean, like I wrote a lot down, but like, if you want to deep dive on this case, like you can. Yeah. And there's lots of like long, long podcasts and like documentaries and all kinds of stuff about it. But I did re-listen to the darker side of life episode. Shout out to Dana and Kristen. Which one has a southern accent? I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. We were talking about them the other day and I because someone sounded just like one of them. Yeah. Who was that? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> it's gonna drive her crazy now. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, like any cult, we gotta start with the cult leader. Yay. So <laughs> said the leader of Scientology. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> See, like I said, like the last week's episode, yeah. talking about like cults and like yeah. also we're gonna talk about race in this, and so it's just like they they're similar. It's just weird. Yeah. Anyway, we picked like weirdly, like not similar, but like just like a theme kind of, of there's a theme, yeah. Racism. <laughs> not a good one. No, not a good theme. We're calling it out. Yes. It's not so, good. Yet again. Racism, racism is bad. bad. Okay. The laughing is not fun. It's not funny. It no, really is bad. Okay, it really is. Moving on. So Jim Jones was born on May 13th, 1931 in Indiana, and he would grow up to claim that he had Cherokee ancestry, mm. but everyone else in his family was like, that's not true. So he's just white. <laughs> um <laughs> So he was born right in the middle of the Great Depression, and he grew up in a shack without any plumbing, which to be fair, (laughs) one, he deserved it, Um, two, around this time, like, only, like, 50% of people had indoor plumbing, so, like, wah, wah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, you're a normal person. Like, most people didn't really have plumbing, but anyway. Oh, my gosh. um, We're mean. (laughs) He deserves it, but we're mean. So. Wah, wah. You literally (laughs) said that. I wrote it down. <laughs> Listen, this is the one time we get to be mean, really, yeah. is like when we talk about bad people. So Yeah, that's fair. Um, Jim grew up loving reading, which is, you know, great, cool, um, except he loved studying people like Stalin and Hitler. Um, <laughs> Katie's I'm sorry. just looking I at me. I totally zoned out for it. I heard you say okay. it, but I was, was realizing I was not reacting. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, okay, no reaction to that. That is bad. It is bad. Um, He also didn't just study them. He admired them. Don't they all? Yeah. Bad 
crazy people. People who knew him as a kid recall him being really weird. Um, they said he was obsessed with religion and death. And he would allegedly attempt weird medical experiments on animals. That's okay, Jeffrey Dahmer. So he would like That's similar. try to like perform blood transfusions Ew. and like like limb transplants and stuff. And Some Frankenstein and Jeffrey Dahmer stuff. Yeah. And he also did like allegedly stab a cat to death. And, oh like, my gosh. Yeah. It's just really. Oh, no. Thanks. Really bad. Also, cats. I'm a cat person. They yeah, really suffer. Also, before I get really far into this, are you going to be graphic? No, I'm not going to okay. be graphic. But it is talking about suicide. Yeah. So if that's going to be yeah. rough for you, then maybe skip this one. Back to Jim. Jim Jones. Uh. Not surprisingly, Jim's dad was also a dick, <laughs> um, and he deserves to be called that. Um, he was a drunk and a gambler who was associated with the KKK. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Um, and Jim claimed to have fought with his dad. I'm not surprised. Just also to oh, no. There, I'm not surprised. But Jim fought with his dad on the issue of race, and they even stopped speaking for a while because of disagreements. Yeah, I was going to say, if he wanted to be part Native American. Yes. Then so, I would feel like he would be against that. He's like on the issue of race. Jim Jones was like a pretty big force for like integration and mm -hmm. stuff, which is like, which is why like it's which just so tells you that there's hard. bad people on both ends. Exactly. Of and also like not being racist is a really low bar. So, yeah. Like, yeah. The bar is yeah. The bar is on <laughs> the floor. Yeah. Okay. And like at least he wasn't. Yeah, it's like, okay, so yeah. he's like kind of an enigma because yeah. he's a bad person. There's no denying that. Yeah. But like people who knew him were like when he was a kid, like he was standing up to bullies and like yeah. he helps the homeless and like he like fought for equal rights. And so it's like when you look at that stuff, it's easy to see why so many people trusted him yeah, I, and believed in him. Yeah. Because it's like if he was just outright blatantly a horrible person, mm -hmm. You'd no be like, one why would. Are they exactly, oh, people follow those. Well, people. yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, I that is interesting. Like when you look at like, oh, he, I trust him. Yeah, I feel like, like he's vocal for the causes that people need to be vocal about. Yeah, so it's understandable to see why so many people trusted him. Yeah. and like believed in what he was doing. Yeah, it's very interesting. So back to his. Yeah. Um, KKK member dad. Yeah. And also back like on then like on that note, I also think that some of his good acts stemmed from him realizing like, oh, if I do this, like I can manipulate people a little better. Oh. I think a lot of it is manipulation. Yeah. Power and control. Yeah, it's all power and control. Yeah. Not really a lot left on his dad. Actually, we're not going oh. back to his dad. We're just going more to his upbringing. Okay. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Uh, you suck. Um, is so, he dead? Huh? Is he dead? Definitely. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Jim was born in 1931. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, he grew up in the Pentecostal church, um, and he loved, like, the style and, like, the energy of the services. Um, he would even have his own church services as a kid where he would stand up in the barn and preach. Okay. Um, but he would also sometimes lock people in the barn with him so they couldn't leave. <laughs> No thanks. Um, and he also allegedly pulled a gun on a kid, like when they tried to leave. Oh, so yikes! You know, little that's sketchy. A, that's a red flag. Yeah, that's a red flag. I don't so, know what I would do. No, it's like, dude, I like. <laughs> yeah, no. I gotta go home for dinner. <laughs> like, bye. You sound a little crazy. Glad you found your passion, but it's not for me. So in 1948, uh, like when he was a kid, I don't have like a date yeah, on that you're stuff. You're 10. But Why are you doing this? Like, um, so in 1948, Jim's parents separated and he, he like moved to live with his mom. Okay. Which is good because his dad sucked. So yeah. I don't know anything about his mom. But oh, she could have sucked, but <laughs> I mean, maybe not as bad as yeah. his dad. I think, I do think like the deal with his parents is like because his dad was like gambling and drinking and all that stuff. His mom worked a lot. Okay. And so I think that she was like trying, but yeah. like she wasn't around a lot because mm -hmm. she was working. Anyway, that makes sense. So later that year in December of 1948, Jim graduated high school with honors at 17 years old. Wow, that's impressive. And he went on to work as an orderly at the local hospital. And there were mixed reviews oh. on his work there lovely most of his managers were like oh yeah he was great but then like some of his co-workers were like sometimes he was a little aggressive oh. so like 
Eh. I don't like being around him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, I trust the coworkers more than they the spend managers. Way more time. Exactly. Yeah. And also people are going to suck up to the manager. Yeah. Like they want to save face. Yeah. In 1949, at 18 years old, Jim married Marceline Baldwin, who was a nurse at the hospital where he worked. Okay. And she was actually older than him. Oh. Um, How much older? A like lot older. Like four years? Okay, that's Which, like, when you're 18 oh, yeah. and she's 22. Like, ew. that's a pretty big... That's ew, weird. Ew, but ew, anyway. Ew. Um, they then moved to Bloomington, Indiana, and Jim started attending Indiana University. And oh, then, I've been there. Cool. <laughs> I, pre- I, I performed there with my brass band. <laughs> Nice. It was really pretty, that campus, actually. Oh, that's nice. Cool. I really liked it. Sorry. Shout out to Bloomington. It was cool. It was nice. Um, and then in 1951, they moved to Indianapolis. My cousins lived there. I was going to say, we've also been there, yep. if you wanted to know. My family lives there. Um, so that same year, Jim, who was 20 at this point, began attending Communist Party gatherings. <laughs> which I wasn't know. expecting you to say that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it tracks with some of the people that he read about, right? Stalin and oh, Hitler. Oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's like, okay, you do you, I guess. But like, yeah. Okay. Not the best time in the 50s. No. And he was like, so his mother also attended these meetings and she was like harassed by the FBI at one point because of it. Oh my gosh. And so he like was really frustrated with like the FBI, the like just everyone and like how they were treating people that were communists, <laughs> which like, okay, but <laughs> that yeah. is so interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Com- the FBI is concerned with the communists in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the time, like communism yeah. was like, yeah. So just very interesting this world feels so small sometimes. <laughs> I will never forget when I had to read the Communist Manifesto for class. I've never had to do that. I read it to you. I don't know if you oh. remember that, but I read part of it to you. I clearly didn't process any. It's okay. I don't really remember much. Um, Sydney is trying to make me into a communist. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no recollection. <laughs> when did that happen? Like freshman okay. year. Okay, that makes sense. Um. Anyway, so he's a communist and he decided he wanted to combine his communism with his love for the church. <laughs> so... <laughs> Those do not make sense. Yeah. So Jim found a Methodist superintendent who helped him get a start in the church, um, even though he was a known communist. Because at the time, like people were like, no. Yeah. Um, so in 1952, he became a student pastor for a Methodist church, but ended up leaving because they didn't want to integrate. So it's like, OK, okay. like I That's respect fair. that. Yeah. Okay. Around this time, he witnessed a faith healing at a Seventh-day Baptist church, and he decided that was more his style. (laughs) And I want to be clear, he was not picking which churches he liked based on their theology Mm -hmm. or their teachings. He picked his church because he saw that, like, faith healing attracted people. Yeah. And therefore money. Yeah. He basically decided he could accomplish his goals best through doing that and like yeah. manipulating people. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, yeah. Bring in the people that are vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. And take their money. I mean, that's what cults do. Yep. And his Jim's son, I think it's Stefan. Some people say Stefan and Ew. some people say Stephen. Let's stick with Stefan. We're sticking with Stefan. Stefan Jones later said, quote, there was nothing spiritual about my father. His entire existence was superficial. Yeah. It's like that tracks. Yeah. It, it, none of it was real. That poor guy. Yeah. He had a lot of kids, too. We'll get into that. Yeah, I I think I remember some of I remember a lot of this. Mm -hmm. So as Jim started his own church, the one thing that I will attribute to this man is that he wanted an integrated church, like I said. And so he ensured that everyone was welcome at those services. And like when you see interviews of people who were in the church, they are all like, he could have made a real difference. Yeah, if and he, he wasn't just went the a other way. Bad person. Yeah. yeah, if he wasn't just using people for power. Yeah. So it's just it's really like frustrating to see mm-hmm. all of it. Um, like I said, Jim and Marceline had seven kids, so they had one biological son, Stefan, and the rest were adopted. So they called their family a rainbow family because there was so much diversity. Mm. So. They had three Korean-American children, Lou, Suzanne, and Stephanie. Then there was Agnes, who was Native American, Tim, who was white and was adopted from 
another like family in the temple. Hmm. And then Jim Jones Jr., who was actually the first black child adopted by a white couple in the state of Indiana, Hmm. which is just really interesting. Yeah, it's like... Progressive, but sad that this is where the kid exactly got it. What the family and it's like for them to name him Jim Jones, yeah, and not their biological son, yeah, like could have like been really cool, yeah, if he didn't suck, yeah. In 1956, Jim organized a convention with William Branham, who was a well known faith healer at the time, and it was after this point that he was able to start his own church just kind of like because people knew who he was and saw like oh like Mm -hmm. people respect him and like blah 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 whatever um but he started his own church which went through a lot of names and they're all really long but it eventually went by or just became known the people's temple yeah that's good that's shorter i didn't even write down the others because they were really long people just like to add a lot of words short and sweet everyone yeah It makes this part easy. Us researching, it makes it easier on us. Yes, please. For the sake of our podcast. Yeah. All you things and people that happened years and years ago, fix it. (laughs) Come on. So the People's Temple was a predominantly black church led by a white preacher, but the congregation didn't really like see him as a white preacher, which is great because it shows like they saw him as very genuine. Yeah. They didn't see it as like a... I'm trying to lead you. Yeah. Like I want, yeah. But as a dominant in a dominant way. Yeah. Exactly. But I do think that part of that comes from his manipulation yeah. and like ability to yeah. try and forge that. Yeah. So Jim Jones was able to grow this church and bring people in because they felt involved and special. Mm-hmm. Like people said when they walked into the temple, like they felt at home. And like hmm. a lot of that had to do with the integration because and a lot of places aren't doing it. Exactly. Yeah. So like if people came in that didn't like that the church was integrated, they were like, okay, you can leave. Like yeah. we don't need you here. Yeah. <laughs> they also had people come up during services to basically proclaim that Jim Jones had power. Which, like, from a Christian standpoint, they were really, like, glorifying him. Yeah. Not God. That's not good. And, like, the more you hear about him, the more it becomes clear that he did not care about Jesus or Christianity or any of it. Like, he said things like, quote, only believe in what you can see. (laughs) And then he said... The Bible literally says the opposite. And then he said, quote, if you see me as your savior, I'll be your savior. Oh, no. It's just like, no, that's not, that's what not it says. Christianity. <clears throat> the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> <laughs> this is just something I find kind of funny. And like, I think also shows how much he just like, I think he was just like, I have so much power. I'm so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, Jim instructed his entire congregation to shout the word shit over and over. <laughs> I would love that, actually. <laughs> yeah. But he did it to teach them not to be hypocritical. <laughs> I don't get it. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) So a lot of people talk about the good things that the church did. And like they did do some good things. But first of all, I think a lot of those things should be attributed to the people of the church and not to Jim Jones. Mm -hmm. And also like a lot of the people they helped were not really much better off. Oh. Like so Jim was praised for like creating like care homes for orphans and the elderly and all this stuff. But a lot of the funds that were supposed to go to the care of those people went to the church instead. Uh. And like the care they were receiving was like not good. So like the government provides funds for orphans and the Mm -hmm. elderly each month, but instead of being distributed to them, Mm -hmm. like most of it was taken for the church and they like gave a tiny portion back and it's like, that's, that's not how that's it should not work. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there were a few ways the church did help people. They helped a lot of recovering addicts. They helped people get access to health care, dental care, and legal assistance. And on the service on the surface, the People's Temple really was a good thing. Yeah. But then in that there's also the fact that the people who the people's temple saved felt indebted to the church Mm -hmm. and it's like jim jones was targeting people who were indebted to him yeah and it's like he's picking people to be like okay they're gonna owe me something yeah that's not good 
it's just i think a lot of it is like it's all very manipulative oh yeah that's the number one word for this whole thing yep so eventually jim began to think that indianapolis at the time was too racist of a place to have an integrated church and he wanted to grow his church so he decided to move it um Around this time, he was already planning to move the church outside of the U.S. He already wanted to move to Mm -hmm. Guyana. But at first, he decided that that was, like, too bold. They didn't really have, like, a big enough church yet. Yeah. So he's like, we're going to go to California. That's what I thought. I almost said that, but I didn't want to sound like an idiot. No. So that was my good. So they moved to a town called Ukiah in the Redwood Valley in California in 1965. And they moved there because there had been an Esquire article that said that that would be a good town to survive a nuclear war in. Mm. And um, Jim really believed in a nuclear holocaust. So he was like, all right, we're going to go there. So he packed up his followers and drove across the country there were about like 12 to 15 cars that made the move hmm. across the whole country wow to ukiah and that doesn't seem like a lot but, no but it also, wasn't like a huge yeah like group also yet. the fact that people followed him there mm-hmm. and like some disturbing. of them it's like really messed up some of the stories of like there's like one guy who is mom like he was like asking her not to go and he, yeah. she got in the car and he never saw her again like it's Ugh. just like it's already people Bad. being like brainwashed. Yeah. Oh, it makes me so mad that there are still groups like this. I know. So in Ukiah, they essentially established a commune. Um, people would live there, work there. They would get health care, all that stuff. Um, and we'll get into how that functioned in a little bit. Okay. But... While they're in Ukiah, the membership increased more and more, and the temple started buying Greyhound buses, which they used for cross-country tours to spread Jim's beliefs and essentially just to get more temple members. Yeah. One of the things they used these buses for was to sell healing oils. Um, it was literally just olive oil. Oh. Um, they would also sell people scraps of Jim Jones's robes um, that were just shirts they bought at thrift stores and cut up like they weren't even his clothes yeah first of all not worth it yeah to like his clothes aren't going to do anything no they're not even his clothes yeah that's so irritating um and then they also sold pictures of jim jones i don't get it but whatever what did he i need to look up what he looks like not good also why does it say he's an american preacher i don't think that's the right word for that he kind of was but but then it says he's an american cult leader so yeah that's more accurate yeah also in the buses they were going to like high schools and preaching about like equality and stuff which like okay that's cool yeah but then they were also like saying things like like they're going to like schools in like philadelphia like across the country and saying things like come like be a part of our church like leave everything behind no like to high schoolers yeah that's messed up that's so messed up and like kids really did get on the bus and leave with them schools shouldn't allow no but i know like school security wasn't really a thing back then so and like they weren't like monitoring all of that as closely that's so messed up yeah kids really did like get on the bus and go with them Mm -mm. what do parents do i don't know just never see their kids again I guess. Why would you let that happen? I don't know. As school administrators, why would you let that happen? In one of the documentaries I watched, like one of the guys was like, yeah, I was going to school in Philadelphia and they came and they were like, come. And I was like, okay. And he went? Yeah. And he lived? Yeah. Well, I don't think he was at Jonestown. I think he might have defected. Okay. But. Oh my gosh. So. That is wild. Yeah. And there are like quite a few survivors of Jonestown that like weren't there for whatever reason or like. Yeah. That's just wild. I can't imagine being in high school and like getting on a bus. No. I never rode those. <laughs> but I'm just like, to just like with rando people get on a Greyhound bus. And be like, yeah. Right, and these go. buses were full. Yeah. Like I talk about it later, but I think they're meant to like keep like 30 to 40 people on these buses. Uh-huh. And they had like 80 people oh, on these buses. That's gross. Like they, people were riding in the luggage compartments and mm-hmm. like in the, like just like stacked on top of each other. That sounds terrible. Yeah. That's so messed up. Um, so now we're going to talk a little bit more about the manipulation and how this church slash cult worked. Yeah, let's just call it what it is. Yeah, it's, it's a, a cult. cult. <laughs> so first, Jim Jones really emphasized tithing. So for anyone who doesn't know, you know, tithing for Christianity, it's 10% of your mm-hmm. income, like goes to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jim Jones con- was convinced that 
um, even 20% wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, 20% of your income, that is not enough. He convinced at least 30 people to sell their homes and give everything to the church. Holy crap. Yeah. Sounds like something else. Yeah. So like these people would like work full time, give everything to the church, and then they would be given back a $5 allowance every week. Oh my gosh. Which today that's like around like $40 a week. Uh-uh. That's my grocery. Of your own money. Yeah. Of like, oh, you're making a salary? Here's $5. <laughs> nope. That's really yeah um he would also take people's social security checks and give them to the church um like i mentioned the homes he was running he was taking those checks all of that stuff there were also so many tasks to do for the temple so they had to care for the senior citizens they had agricultural work at the commune they had their own publication they had like so many things to do that like people had to start work- working full time for the church on top of their own full time jobs. Mm-hmm. Like people would work like eight to five at their normal job and then go work for the church until like two or three a.m. <laughs> and like that sounds terrible. Yeah, people would sleep like two hours a night. One f- former temple member said that the longest she ever stayed up without sleeping was six days. Ooh. That makes me feel nauseous. Me too. I, I can't like, even stay up at when I used to do like lock like lock-ins or whatever. Yeah. I would feel so sick the next day from not sleeping. Well, it's like when we did OSPH, I almost went 24 hours, but yeah. I had like a I had like a 45 minute nap in there. Yeah. But I almost went 24 hours without sleeping and I felt dead at yeah. the end. So I don't know how she did that. When we did Waverly overnight Waverly for the first too. the next like and I even slept for like probably five or six hours after but and i had been up all day too like i had had a really long day like you did but i felt so sick the next day even after sleeping for five or six hours like Like, you need sleep yeah and like a normal time like you need to have a rhythm of sleep Mm -hmm. oh gosh i can't even six days um that's so long Temple members were even made to feel guilty if they took too many luxuries, like sleeping. Um, Mm. If they got too much sleep, say like six hours a night, they got in trouble. So they were punished for having like six hours of sleep a night. The Bible says that rest is a good thing. Yep. So take that, Jim Jones. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to get into the matter of Jim Jones's faith healings. Oh, no. So he would cure people's blindness or cancer or predict the future. Um, How do you do that? How do you heal their blindness? So a lot of them were fake. So he would like plant people in the audience for like predicting the future and things like that. He would have church members go through people's trash cans or medicine cabinets and like find out things about them. There was one instance in which Jim healed a woman who was in a wheelchair. So (laughs) it's like never have I ever. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone go watch that. Sorry. Such a good show. Oh, my gosh. Um, temple members tell this whole story of him like urging this little old lady like just just take one step now like take another and she like <laughs> stands up really slowly and starts to walk and then she starts running around <laughs> the whole church like through the aisles As if. Um, so the woman was one of the secretaries and they literally <laughs> dressed her up like an old woman <laughs> And, like, put her in a wheelchair. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I, there's video of it, too. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to go find yeah. that. So, like, literally just a scam artist. What should I look up to see that? I have no idea. We can look it up later. Just keep talking. Okay. okay. Unlike you, I can multitask. <laughs> Don't be rude. <laughs> um, at one point, Jim faked being shot um, and healed himself. <laughs> he, like, held up, like, a bloody shirt, but there was no bullet hole. Um, I'm not doing this right now. I pulled... There's some rapper or something named Jim Jones. It's hard pulling up a weird fight thing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just wrote, his scams are literally psychopathic. Yeah. Throughout this whole time, Jim Jones was also drinking a lot and using drugs. And whenever people, like, asked him about it, um, he would just say that he needed them to keep his connection to God. Hmm think you need to go see a doctor and a therapist yeah and a lot of things yeah that's not right yeah so jim also abused his congregation Mm -hmm. um he oversaw beatings and forced confessions of people people were spanked or slapped in public meetings just like in front of everyone um they would also literally make people like 
box each other Mm-mm. like fight like people would like go to their real jobs the next day and have like bruises and like they'd be like are you okay that's terrible like, like yeah i just at church yeah <laughs> <laughs> like what the heck God. <laughs> like what the heck jeez and then people were also made to turn in their family members if they wanted to leave like it's very much a culture of like if you want to leave like i'll turn you in like oh yeah that's a cult thing yeah it just, they're it's, all so similar and so terrible. It's just so bad. Yeah. Um, there were also lots of allegations of Jim Jones's sexual abuse. He abused a lot of people. Did mm-hmm. not matter who you were. Yeah. Um, he expressed a belief to his congregation that literally everyone on the planet, except for him, was gay. Um, he, I don't even like understand it, but he preached that everyone was gay except for him. And then also sex like took away from the glory of church. And so like, it was like inherently sinful, but he was like, having sex with everyone that's literally not what the bible says yeah so he was like sex is so bad it's awful you should never have sex but then he would like that doesn't yeah i mean he just doesn't want all of them doing it yeah on their own yeah it's really messed up doesn't literally not none of i mean just nothing is correct and i know that we all know that now like yeah it's just not correct i also just don't understand that everyone's gay but me so like women are all yeah. gay too, so they don't like him. But then he was like he was having sex with men too, or yeah. like abusing men. I just too. mean like it would make more sense. He was like all men are gay, so they're all into him. Like I, yeah. it would make sense for him to be like, and all women are straight because they're all into yeah, me. Like it, was it like would just make sense him, yeah. for him to want everybody to be into him. But when he says that the women are not into him, yeah, maybe he like you, maybe. But it's just like what? It's all very like that's so weird. It makes no sense, and it's very gross. And he has a weird messed up mind. Yeah. That's gently putting it. Yeah. Jim also had a planning committee. This is like not really about his abuse, but it's just kind of okay. Yeah, it kind of is. So he had a planning committee, which is like his like inner circle of like people in the church. And almost this entire group of people was made up of white women. Um, even though seventy five percent of the church was people of color. Mm. Um, I just like that's weird. I think that he quite literally wanted to be like the white savior. Like, yeah. it's very much like a white savior complex, and it's gross. Yeah, but it's weird because he's advocated. Yeah. I don't, I guess that leads to that, but. It's like, it's just like, it's very. Because it seems like he respects all of them, yeah. but not really. And it's yeah. just like something feels really icky about a white man standing in front of a church of black people oh, and yeah. saying, I'll be your savior. Oh, yeah. Like. And having kids of color. Yeah. Ugh, poor children. So I'm sad for them. Jim also started to have these things called white nights. Um, which wait, with nights with a K or an N? N. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt yeah, like you were yeah. gonna say people. Like he had people that were no. Doing. He does have like a little army later, but I'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were they called the white knights. No, too? they were like the red something. Oh. He, I don't know. Okay. One day in front of about 120 people, Jim started to talk about their cause and he started to hand out punch to everyone. And after everyone had drank it, he told them that they had all drank poison. This is, is this what that one episode of Criminal Minds was based off of? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Just, I just want to make sure. Um, and he basically was like, we're all going to die in this church, like all together. And after everyone like started to react and stuff, he revealed there was no poison. Like this is a test of loyalty. Mm. And he like wanted to see who was really committed to the cause. So like basically he was like, if you've like reacted and like mm-hmm. you're not committed enough kind of thing. Yeah. So they're gone. They're out. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. They probably just got punished. Yeah. Because I don't think that he would willingly kick people out. Yeah. He he doesn't he want his numbers to dwindle. You yeah. know. But Wait, why were th- was that a white knight? Mm-hmm. So yes. Did you so do he that had, again? Yes. Oh god. Um. And I think a lot of them happened at Jonestown. Okay. But it was basically just him being like, essentially telling them like the world is ending, <laughs> and we're gonna. He later calls it um revolutionary suicide is what yeah. he called it. Um. I'll get into a little more on the white knights okay. later. But that was the first one. Okay. He put a lot of planning into this. Oh yeah, he did. So in 1974, Jim decided to move the church to San Francisco. 
Ukiah wasn't a big enough city. He wanted more audience, honestly. Okay. So at this time, they moved to San Francisco and he got really involved in politics. Um, the temple would come like March for like any cause that they agreed with and they'd bring like hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. So they became like a pretty big force for like politics and stuff. Yeah. They had like a really big effect they helped like win a mayoral race mm. and stuff. Um, and because of all of this, Jim Jones became extremely paranoid that someone was going to assassinate him. He oh had boy. at least two, sometimes up to 15 bodyguards around him at all times. Well, you really think highly of yourself at that point. Yeah. Um, 15. So after helping George Masconi, I think that's how you say his name. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, become elected mayor. Jim Jones was appointed chairman of the city housing authority, which I don't really know what all he did. All I know is like whenever they had meetings, a bunch of people's temple members would show up and like cheer whenever he spoke. And it's just like, that's so extra. (laughs) That's so stupid. So no one needs cheering at a meeting. No, it's it's so dumb. Um, In December of 1975, 90 members of the people's temple flew into Guyana, South America and saw the community that was being built. So they are already building what would be called Jonestown. It was Mm -hmm. technically called the People's... No, wait. I think it's called the People's Temple Agricultural Project or something. I didn't actually write it down, but anyway. Sounds right. Um, (laughs) So members saw it as a chance to raise their families outside of the oppression and racism of the United States. Yeah. Um, So they start to build like their own city 300 miles into the jungle um the people building it would like film videos and send them back to san francisco to fill all the temple members in Mm -hmm. um but a lot of this was manipulation too so jim would like come help out and like film videos sometimes i think and the soil in guyana isn't good for growing crops so jim would just go out and buy a bunch of food and bring it back and be like we made the look at like how fertile the soil is Ugh. and it's like oh, are you just be me? honest about that part yeah so all this is happening and jim is still in san francisco the church is still in san francisco in 1977 a journalist named Marshall Kilduff was approached by several former members of the People's Temple who had defected. And when people defected, it was not easy, which because it's a cult. Like, yeah. it's not a church. It's a cult. Yeah. Um, They're being cut off from their families. Jim Jones would threaten them and tell them something bad would happen to them if they left. Like, he was mm. like, I'll make it look like an accident. Um, Also, a lot of people couldn't leave. They'd given up their jobs or their homes and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like... They have nowhere else to go. Exactly. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. So these people approached Marshall Kilduff and kind of filled him in on what was going on. And he wrote an article about Jim Jones. Um, and in it, he interviewed a lot of defectors who revealed some things about the inner workings of the church. And reading this is, like, chilling. Well, yeah. Because, like, I read the whole thing and it's, like, around the time that it was written he still had a lot of power and connections and politics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Marshall is like begging people to realize that it's a cult. Yeah. And it's like, that sounds a lot like Leah Remini. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, all of this happened before Jonestown happened. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's really heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that were revealed in this article, um, members of the planning commissions, like the inner circle, were often forced to participate in what Jim called catharsis, in which they would stand in the middle of a circle and be criticized by fellow churchgoers, including friends and family. Mm -hmm. Um, And after this catharsis is when beatings and boxing matches would happen, and then they would be treated by temple nurses afterwards. Um, People were often paddled for not paying enough attention during Jim's sermons. This could be if you're a kid, if you're an adult, it doesn't matter. You could be paddled. And after you were paddled you were conditioned to say thank you father to um jim in front of everyone yeah i think so it's weird he really liked people to call him like father or like dad even i think yeah no thanks so church leaders also forced members to write letters incriminating themselves in crimes that never happened Mm -hmm. or they also kept like attendance sheets of who came to church and had people essentially sign a blank sheet of paper that could then later be used for you know giving the church power of attorney or incriminating them in crimes and things like that 
Jeez. Um, and then Jim Jones and his followers also scared people into giving money to the church. Um, so they told people that the money would go towards building up the compound in Guyana. Um, and they also essentially told black people that if the fascists took over the country, then um, they would put black people into concentration camps and uh, stuff like that. That's messed up. Yeah. So they're basically just like scaring them into going yeah. to jonestown yeah so now we're going to talk about the building of jonestown and what actually happened there and stuff jim jones had chosen guyana to be the location of their long-term temple because he had learned in the same article that this area would be a good place to live in the event of nuclear war so he really based a lot on that one esquire article (laughs) i'm just thinking of all people that have bunkers and stuff yeah he's one of them yep this is what happens when one of those people gets a cult following (laughs) Either he really believed it or he thought other people would. Mm-hmm. I think he really did believe it, honestly. But I don't know. Why else would he pick two places that are yeah. like that? So um, if you don't know where Guyana is, it is in South America. It's north of Brazil and east of Venezuela. Because I had no idea where it was. But South America. So Jonestown was started, like building of it was started in 1973. And from the beginning, it was pretty much Jim Jones's contingency plan for like when things went downhill. They knew things were going to go downhill. They were planning on it like from the start of like an escape plan, essentially. Oh, yeah. You got to know your manipulation can only last so long. Oh, yeah. And Jim chose Guyana because they had more socialist views and also because they didn't have extradition laws with the U.S. Mm. So he's really planning it all out. Um, And they worked out a deal with Guyana to have 3,800 acres for an agricultural project. Um, The area was extremely isolated. It was 150 miles away from the capital. Oh, dang. And it was seven miles away from the nearest water source. That sounds safe. Yeah. Um, That's so far. I saw something that said 500 temple members started the construction in Jonestown. I don't know if they were there the whole time or like kind of coming back and forth. Okay. Um, at one point, at least 130, quote, incorrigible youths were released. What does that word mean? That's so, I'm sorry to be stupid. It's essentially but. like delinquents. Okay. Like, essentially, they were released to the temple by federal and state courts. And, like, kids who had records or were on probation were surrendered to care of the church, who then sent them to Guyana to partake in their Guyana Mission Youth Program. That didn't exist? It was like, they were like, it's physical discipline. Like sounds like holes. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, they literally sent a bunch of delinquents to South America to build a cult compound. Mm-hmm. It sounds like holes. It does. It's so messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so that's all Jonestown being built. Messed up. We're gonna cut back to 1977. Jim Jones found out about Marshall Kilduff's article that they're writing an article about him and somehow convinced the editor of the newspaper to read the article to him before it came out. Uh, So the editor read the article to him over the phone, and as it's being read to him, he starts to get more and more scared. Yeah. And Here's the thing. I feel like this man knows that he thinks these people are stupid, but also smart because he's scared of them. Yes. It's a very interesting mindset. He is so... And also, like, already by this point, like, he's out of his mind yeah like he's he's on a lot of drugs yeah and he's also just like he's just really paranoid and he's been doing this for like 20 years yeah it's just a long time yeah so he writes a note that night while they're reading the thing to him he writes a note to his followers who are in the room with him that says we leave tonight oh gosh yeah so six hours before the article was released to the public jim jones flew out to guyana Hmm. the move to jonestown happened like overnight yeah because like so So many people like left without telling their spouses, like just like grabbed their kids, like got on a plane. They're out of there. Hmm. It's just just, like insane. So I can't imagine that. No, it's insane. Mm -hmm. Flew to another country in the middle of nowhere. Left everything. That's really scary. Yeah. So when Jim Jones wasn't at Jonestown before he fled California, the residents of Jonestown said that the energy was light, like people would dance and like have a great time Mm. it was like a vibrant community but when jim jones was there people said that he brought a very negative energy to jonestown like he is what made this place negative Mm -hmm. 
So the people in Jonestown didn't own every, didn't own anything. They worked for like everything. Yeah. But like people said, like it felt like we were like shareholders. Like they felt like they were a part of like creating like this utopia. Yeah. But meanwhile, temple defectors in the United States couldn't speak to their families. Like the people in Guyana were shut off from everything in America. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're there, there's no leaving. Like, what are you going to do? Go to Jim Jones and be like, can I get a plane out of here? Like, yeah, you're so far away from everything. Yeah. And you don't have money. Yeah. And it's like, I do think that like some of the people like closer to him or like in the inner circle could like come and go kind of as they pleased. Yeah. But it was like, he knew they were coming back. Like there's no mm-hmm. like, there's no moving away. Yeah. You're in. Yeah. So there was also a speaker system installed throughout Jonestown that Jim could use. Um, and he even like recorded himself so that his voice was just playing all the time. And it was like, I hate that. You literally like people said there was no place in Jonestown that you couldn't hear it. Like you couldn't. I really don't it. like that. Literally like the only way they got news or media was through Jim Jones. If they were watching a movie or something like a member of like the planning committee or something had to be there to interpret it for them. It's so weird. Wait, what? Yeah. Like they're watching a movie, but they don't have sound. Like I don't know. They just said that like. I don't understand. I'm very curious. I know. I don't know. I don't have specifics. They just said that like someone has to interpret it. That's very interesting. Jim told the people of Jonestown that things were getting worse in the United States and that they couldn't go back. Um, He created a conspiracy to convince everyone that these nefarious forces were coming to attack them at Jonestown. Like basically just making people live in fear. Mm -hmm. Um, At Jonestown, temple members generally worked eight hours and then studied socialism for eight hours afterwards, <laughs> which was a schedule that Jim modeled after North Korean schedules. Mm. You know, also a really great model. I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> it's okay. A little scary. Yeah. They also had very little food and what food they did have was really gross. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people said that they like would choose to eat in the dark so that they couldn't see the bugs in their food. Yeah, I think I'd have to join them on that one. That's so... Ooh, I would not survive. No, no, no. No. Um, they also lived in communal housing that was way overpopulated. So houses that were built for like eight to ten people had like 20 Oh, God. Um, There was also really harsh punishments, as you can expect from a man who made people fight each other. There's apparently a six by four by three foot box that was like a punishment box. That's tiny. Just like put people in. Yeah. And also sometimes children who needed to be punished were forced to spend the night in the bottom of a well. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Sometimes people who... Just kids? I think just kids. Dang. I don't know if that's evil. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if it was like easier to get them in and out of it. Oh yeah. But not that easy. Um people who expressed a desire to leave were taken to an extended care unit where they were essentially just drugged oh, like gosh. into like submission basically. That's terrible. Yeah. Jones also started importing guns and they would label the boxes Bibles uh, like when they imported them. Yeah. And also later on in the documentary I watched, a lot of the Jonestown residents were shocked like when armed guards started showing up, they were like, where like where did all of this come from? Like Yeah. What the heck? Like we don't have enough food and you guys have guns. guns. Like what the heck? Some people really love their guns. Mm. Not me. No. Um And then Jones had more of those white nights. So he would stage emergencies and tell the people of Jonestown that they were being attacked. And in these, he would give people options. So he would be like, okay, we can flee to the Soviet Union. Um, cause they were trying to work out a deal with the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Like he legitimately contacted them and oh was like gosh. working on it. Um, we can try and fight or we can commit this revolutionary suicide. And usually people would quote, choose suicide. Yeah. And it's like, I, 
at that I, point, it's like the boy who cried wolf. And like, you're like, well, I know that if I don't pick his thing. Exactly. I'm going to get in trouble. Well, and it's also like, he's your leader. And if he's like, oh, but I can't get in touch with the Soviet Union or whatever. Like, yeah. Obviously, he's manipulating all of it to go exactly the way he wants it to. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to choose suicide or whatever. Yeah. So he would make them drink something that he convinced them was poison. Like this happened many times. Oh my God. He's just like desensitizing them. Yeah. Every time it's not poison and he told them it was to test their loyalty. That's so messed up. But it's like, I can imagine the more you do that, the less you think it's actually poison. And then someday it will be. Yeah. So... At Jonestown, as you can guess, there was also no freedom to discuss what was going on. Um, Everyone was made to think that everything was a loyalty test. Yeah. Like, you couldn't trust anyone. It's like, if your husband is That's really how it is. Yeah. It's like, if your husband is like, I want to leave, it could be a loyalty test straight from Jim Jones. And if you don't tell someone- You're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so, it's so scary. messed up. It's so scary how many things are like that and how many people are living in that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, starting in 1976, which, keep in mind, this is before Jim Jones even lived in Jonestown and before the article even came out. Mm-hmm. The temple started receiving monthly shipments of cyanide. Oh, great. And they had gotten, like, a jeweler's license and said that it was to clean gold. Like, they, like got around the rules on it somehow i don't even freaking know so messed up that you can just kind of clever get cyanide yeah but so much thought yeah so in the summer of 1978 they're all you know down in jonestown and jim's health was deteriorating deteriorating that's a hard word (laughs) you got it thank you Um, he was on so much medication that when he was speaking over the loudspeaker, like he was like slurring and like people couldn't even like, he wouldn't like, he couldn't finish sentences. Like Mm -hmm. people could not understand what he was saying. Yeah. Um, and by November he had a lung infection that he was telling people was lung cancer. It was not. Yeah. He was just telling people was lung cancer. Sympathy. Yeah. California Congressman Leo Ryan became concerned about Jonestown because a number of family members approached him um, and they were like, we're being told like it's an armed encampment and like Mm -hmm. we can't contact them. They can't leave. Like they're kind of filling him in on everything. Yeah. And so Leo Ryan decided that he wanted to go and see for himself what was going on. I would not. No, this man was so brave, like badass. I'd be like, just send some people down there to get him out. Like I wouldn't. I couldn't see it for no, myself. No, and this congressman, he spent time in Folsom prison because he wanted to learn more about the like the justice system. Dang. This guy, he is serious. Yeah. That's I would not do any of those things. No. So really But so, would he go spend the night in a haunted building? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I am, but am I? Better, better than, than everyone. everyone? <laughs> it's a joke, guys. Well, let's move on okay this guy's impressive he wants to save some people yeah (laughs) so the congressman flew into guyana on november 14th and with him he had his legal advisor jackie spear i think it's spear and the deputy chief of the mission to guyana richard dwyer and they also had several reporters and audio technicians and photographers Mm -hmm. like lots of media and then also some of the concerned relatives who had like gone to him so they flew into guyana on the 14th and they kind of spent some time like wait what month again sorry november November. of 78 okay and like for a few days they kind of were like like they're like okay you can come to jonestown just kidding like you can't come in like it was really just like like jim jones was like doing power plays trying to be like yeah you can only come in on my terms kind of thing yeah so finally on friday november 17th congressman leo ryan that my brain congressman leo ryan and the rest of the delegation entered jonestown finally they were given a tour and then there was a reception for them so they had like this huge party there was like singing and dancing and they're essentially just convincing the congressman that they're all happy and in good spirits and like love being there Mm -hmm. and they did a pretty good job convincing him probably because jim jones had made them rehearse 
Yeah. <laughs> um, he had quizzed them on like certain questions they might be asked mm. and like how to answer and all kinds of stuff. Wow. But that night, a Temple member named Vernon Gosney passed a note to NBC reporter Don Harris. Um, and when he passed it, he actually mistook the reporter for Congressman Ryan. Mm. But he tried to like tuck it in his arm, but it fell to the ground. And so he like picked it up and he was like, oh, you dropped this. Like he's like, smart. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, a little boy saw it happen. And because Jonestown raised yeah. him to turn people in, um, he started yelling to other Temple members that he had passed a note. But thankfully, the reporter read the note and gave it to the congressman. And it read, Dear Congressman, Vernon Gosney and Monica Bagby, please help us get out of Jonestown. Mm-hmm. So It's so sad. Jim Jones later confronted Vernon and told him not to talk to the reporters, that they were all liars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the reporters talked to Jim Jones and were like, what, what is this about? And he got defensive and he said that Vernon and Monica had written the note because people play games and, um, he was like, everyone can come in and out like as they please. Like they're just, they're playing games essentially is what he kept saying. They're playing games. Get us out of here. (laughs) Help us. So the congressman is like, all right, like I'm going to get you out of here. Mm -hmm. And Jim Jones had just said, well, people can come in and out as they please. So let's leave. So word got out that a couple people were leaving and more and more people start being like, I want to leave. So at this point, Jim starts to kind of like essentially beg people to stay. And he kept telling people like, oh, you can leave if you want. But at the same time was basically giving off the vibe of like, you're betraying me. Yeah, like like I've given you everything. Exactly. So early in the morning on November 18th, 11 temple members started to feel like things were getting dangerous. And they're like, something bad is gonna happen. And so they left. Yeah. They just started hiking through the jungle to get away. Which I'm just like, that's how you know how bad it was. Yeah. Like, they're like, I don't know if what's out here. They're in like deep in the jungle of South America. Yeah. And that is better to them than being in Jonestown. Oh, yeah. They're like, die by natural cause. Yeah. <laughs> die by this crazy man. Yeah. So that day, Vernon Gosney, the one who had written the note, told Congressman Ryan that he was in danger and he needed to leave. But Congressman Ryan wouldn't. He felt safe partially because he was like, I have like congressional like the shield like he was like yeah he's like a powerful and important man like he's Dude, like that doesn't no one's gonna gun. do anything <laughs> um but while people watched a temple member named don sly walked up behind him and held him at knife point that just because you have immunity of some sort does I know. not mean that you can't physically be hurt i know oh come on what's the name leo yeah come on leo um so the temple member don that's some white guy (laughs) like really confidence yeah yeah i'm good so the, the temple member said you're going to die and held him at knife point but thankfully some people were able to wrestle him to the ground and congressman ryan was able to walk away just walk away but the whole time jim jones was just standing there watching this all happen that's so creepy. Like, obviously, he's not reacting. He's just yeah. chilling. He knows what's about to happen. Yeah. But Congressman Ryan at this point was like, okay, like, I'll go. Like, yeah. I'm going to leave. Like, mm-hmm. it's probably time. So the congressman and reporters and their whole delegation made their way back to the tarmac with some of the defectors. And their plan was like, okay, we'll take like a couple people now and we'll come back. Like, we'll come back for the rest of you guys. Yeah, that seems like it's going to be possible. Yeah. So there were two planes needed for the group to leave. And the first one to leave was a small six person plane. Um, And on this plane, there were a handful of defectors, one of whom had been Jim's most loyal like one of his Mm. most loyal followers and as they cruised down the tarmac that passenger whose name was larry layton pulled out a gun and started shooting at the other passengers that's horrible yeah um thankfully everyone was okay he did injure vernon gosney and monica bagby Hmm. but um someone else disarmed him good and so everyone on that plane survived did they take off i don't think so they're like cruising down the tarmac okay Okay. But they weren't like in the air. Okay, good. But they did fly off. With the dude in? Yes. So I think they like knocked him out. Okay. And I think they flew off 
because they could tell it was something else was happening on the tarmac. Yeah. Um, so the rest of the group was getting ready to board the second plane when a group of Jones followers pulled up in a dump truck with guns. Yikes. And these men were in the Red Brigade, Red Brigade, which was like essentially Jim Jones's like personal army. Yeah. Like, so they pulled up between the plane and the jungle, kind of like essentially giving them nowhere to run. Yeah. And the delegation and the defectors all started like hiding behind like the plane's wheels and like underneath the plane. Mm. And um, the Red Brigade jumped out of the truck and started to open fire. Jeez. And this is, it's so awful. The beginning of the shooting is caught on film by mm. one of the cameramen. Yeah. And he's, like, the cameraman was unfortunately killed during the shooting. That's terrible. So you can see, like, the camera fall Ugh. and stop. Um, a few people survived. They put the th- that out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's in the documentary I watched. It's That's horrible. really hard to watch. Um, a few people survived the attack, most of them by pretending to be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie Spear pretended to be dead and was shot point blank but survived. Wow. Which is like freaking insane. Mm-hmm. And Congressman Ryan was killed, unfortunately, after being mm-hmm. shot more than 20 times. Yikes. So back at Jonestown at this point, Jim Jones started to express that the temple members weren't safe and that retribution was going to come. Mm-hmm. And he started to tell his followers that they couldn't live in peace any longer, so they would have to die in peace. And so over the loudspeakers, he called everyone to the pavilion for a white night. Mm. And around this time, the Red Brigade returned from the tarmac and told Jones that Congressman Ryan was dead. Yeah. Obviously, it's like, I think he already knew. Like, yeah. But at this point. They had to like tell him, like, we completed your mission. Exactly. I'm you. like, no one did anything without him. without it coming from him like everything came from him but at this point the armed guards surrounded the pavilion with everyone in it Mm -hmm. and this is when the massacre started Mm -hmm. and i'll talk about it a little bit later too but like people call it a mass suicide it was not a mass suicide yeah like this was a mass murder yeah yeah so jim jones's closest aides began to prepare prepare a large metal tub with grape flavor aid poisoned with valium cyanide and several other chemicals and poisons one of jonestown's doctors dr larry schacht had been researching the best poisons for mass suicide and he helped concoct the poison and it's so upsetting he was a former addict who had gotten sober with jones's help and jim had paid for his college to become a doctor wow so it's like this guy could have done so much more yeah with his life like mm-hmm. it's just yeah all of these people could have done exactly. so much more with their lives so jim jones started to tell everyone that they were going to be attacked and everyone was going to be murdered um now in the other white nights like i mentioned he had basically you know given them some options mm-hmm. um but this time he clearly wasn't giving them a choice it was, we are We're going to commit this. suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're already making the poison. Like, it's yeah. clearly decided. Um, a temple member named Christine Miller started to argue with him. She oh, was like, no. like, what about our other options? Like, what about the Soviet Union? You've been saying this whole time we'd run to the Soviet Union. What about them? Mm-hmm. And Jones wasn't listening. He just said, the Soviet Union isn't an option. Like, mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not listening. He just kept shutting her down. So, like I said, this was not suicide. It was mass murder. Mm -hmm. These people were surrounded by armed guards. Yeah. It was pretty much... They had no choice. You take poison or you get shot. shot. Like, um, Jim Jones called it a revolutionary suicide protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Um, I call it cowardice and him being an asshole (laughs) and an awful human being. So as Jim Jones continued preaching, this whole thing is also on tape. I did not listen to it because I cannot seem to listen to it. Um, But Jim Jones continued preaching and babies and children were taken away from their mothers and people started being given the poison. Um, Like I mentioned, a lot of people might have thought this was fake because mm-hmm. as we talked about, like, it's people, been fake every yeah, other time. it's been fake every other time. It wasn't until people started to have reactions and die from the poison that, mm-hmm. like, everyone started to realize what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the children were all given the poison first, probably because Jim Jones felt extra control in that. Yeah. Of, like, obviously, parents 
are going to have an emotional reaction to that. And Mm -hmm. like a lot of parents probably wouldn't want to keep going after that. So Mm -hmm. um, people were given the poison through a syringe without a needle that was squirted into their mouths. Mm -hmm. And after taking the poison, they were escorted out on like out of the pavilion, like outside. And it took from two to 30 minutes to die, depending on like how old you were and stuff. And there was an anonymous letter found afterwards that said, we did not want this kind of ending. We wanted to live, to shine, to bring light to a world that is dying for a little bit of love, which is just like, it's so heartbreaking. Like these people actually wanted to make a change in the world. Like Mm -hmm. that was the point of the church for them was like making a change in the world. And Jim Jones just took advantage of them. So I hate him. Yeah, me too. 909 People's Temple members died at Jonestown. Several escaped into the jungle. Five were killed on the airstrip. And around 80 Jonestown residents, including Jim Jones's sons, Jim Jones Jr. and Stephen or Stephen, um, happened to be away that day. Mm -hmm. And I think it might be Stephen that his mom had actually like, I think kind of urged him to like get out kind of thing. Did she die too? Mm-hmm. Did the rest of his kids die? Mm-hmm. Jeez. There were some people who survived who witnessed the entire thing. Um, there were people who pretended to be dead or hid or mm-hmm. like lied to the guards. Like some of them were like, I have like a special mission from Jim Jones himself and like were able to escape. Yeah. Um, some of them like didn't come to the pavilion when they called for the white knight. So mm-hmm. like some of them survived too. Yeah. Um, and after the massacre, at least 70 bodies from Jonestown were found to have needle marks in their backs. Hmm. And a lot of them, like, I don't know if they had like broken needles in their backs or if they could just tell the way they'd gone in they were broken um but it is believed that some people were forcibly given the poison mm-hmm. yeah i wouldn't be uh, yeah. wanting to take that yeah it's so heartbreaking and it also it's just like it makes sense jim jones wasn't gonna have the guards shoot people he yeah. wanted it to look like they all committed wanted suicide it. yeah which is just like it's so messed up mm-hmm. and jim jones himself died from a shot to the head which was thought to be Mm self-inflicted which makes me so mad because he didn't have the balls to die the way he made everyone everyone else else die yeah um but his son stefan believes that he didn't kill himself and that he may have had someone else do it Hmm. which is just like why because i don't think he he cared too he was too narcissistic yeah yeah like he's like stefan said that like he didn't think that his dad like wanted to die mm-hmm. so i'm just i don't think that he could bring himself to do it yeah hmm. like i think that he was like someone else do it while i'm not looking yeah jeez which is just like well good for that person yeah whoever freaking got to do it awful freaking human being yeah so yeah that is jonestown that's so rough it was the largest loss of american life in a non-natural event before 9-11 jeez just yeah really really heartbreaking yeah i hate it It it's just so messed up that like people like that exist Mm -hmm. and like things like that exist in the world and like they still do and they're still manipulating people like that and we've seen what's happened before so i don't know why people aren't acting on those things now it's like when you look at things and you're like that's a cult like yeah why can't we do anything about that yeah like there's precedence for what can happen yeah and like what should be done makes me angry me too makes me really angry yeah because there's a cult that's active right now there's more than one but there's, there's a big one yeah the big one but we can't really talk about it so no you all know you all you all know mm-hmm. um yeah that was a rough one mm-hmm. so go listen to something yeah i was gonna now. say go do something happy friends yeah and um follow us <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Maybe we'll post a happy thing. And I was going to say, like, post a picture of your cat or something. I will, yeah. <laughs> uh, follow us on Instagram at Something Sick Podcast or on Twitter at A Sick Podcast or on TikTok at Something Sick Podcast or send us an email and maybe I'll send you a picture of my cat if you send us an email at Something Sick Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. All right, homies. We'll talk to you next week. Peace out. Peace out.